Hi, I'm Darren Wright. And I'm Tim Beadle. Welcome to Disciple Making. Welcome back to Disciple Making. I'm Darren Ride here with Tim Beadle. And today we're going to be looking at living proof, keys to being living proof of Jesus' call to make disciples. And this is based on a book and a curriculum that came from a fellow named Jim Peterson many years ago. This is one of those resources that might be a little older that is still incredibly relevant. And Tim is going to kind of lead us through a discussion of some of the key aspects of being this living proof. In a way, as Tim described it, we're kind of backing up the truck to the beginning and walking through some of these key steps. So, Tim, where, where do you want to start? Yeah, so I'm putting us on a long runway here, Darren, <laughs> because uh, so, sometimes, and, you know, we've sort of done 25, 26 podcasts now. Uh, we, we get on, you know, separate topics, but every once in a while, it's good to just step back, as you said, you know, back up the truck and take a, a long-range view of, of where we're going, or probably more aptly put, where God is trying to lead us in understanding uh it isn't the task at hand as much as this is what he has called us to become disciple makers. So, so I, so I have some points here that, that I've put together and I'm going to put them out, make some comments and then, uh, you, know, you make your comments. And if you're listening today, if you want to get a copy of this, you can just email me. I make disciples at gmail.com and I'll send you this list. Uh, but here we go. So number one, and the, and these are somewhat sequential as well. Uh, that if we're really going to, sort of live as living proof disciple makers. Number one, we have to understand that there's a huge gap between the assumptions and values of Christians and non-Christians in culture. Mm-hmm. Like um, we, 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 we just can't come with a, a set script sort of ready to sell something to someone who doesn't know Jesus. Like we need to take a person's culture into account, their background, when we try and bring the gospel to that person. So, so you think, um, not only culturally where they've come from, but but you think of um, their religious background, if any, sp- spiritual experiences, ethnicity, uh, and I think of you know in in Matthew chapter thirteen, you've got the parable of of the sower and the different types of soil and conditions, and obviously there's a, there's a lot of barriers, potential barriers there that the sower sometimes has to cultivate the land. Mm. And that means yeah, you have to come to grips with the lay of the land, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we need to recognize that we are in our own little subculture as well. You know, even if we're the same ethnic, you know, background as people, even if we're, you know, even if we're dealing with white men, you and I, we're dealing with white men, we come from a Christian subculture. We're enculturated in that. And we are in a different mindset framework than most of the people who never grew up in the church, who haven't been a part of the church for years as we have. Yeah, even you know, even with it, like the use of technology, I uh, I tried handing out some some uh, paper notes to uh, some of our younger pastors uh, on my staff, and they say, "What's what's that? We don't touch paper anymore. It's all it's all social media. It's all on their phone, you know, and things like that." So we the the point here is, we have to come into this with eyes wide open, and understand that that we like you said, we come from our own subculture. Uh, Jesus was culturally inclusive that his message can reach out to anyone in any culture at any time. And therefore, we have to make sure we don't, well, we have to, someone said, you have to jettison the jargon. You have to make sure you aren't using all this Christian ease language. And we have to meet people where they're at, basically. 
Yeah, absolutely right. That's a great point, Tim. Okay, here's the next one. And this was this was instrumental at getting rid of my fear of evangelism. Uh, it's understanding that all people have built-in receptors to the gospel. Uh, let, let me explain that a little bit. Uh, everyone within themselves, like like Scripture says in Ecclesiastes 3.11, that, that God has created every person with a sense of eternity inside of themselves. And, and I had missed that for years. So I was always thinking of people, probably more as make-work projects, but, but there's some built-in receptors that everyone has a sense of eternity, something beyond themselves. And that's what causes people to ask you know, the question of the meaning of life. That, that's why the Alpha program has a big question mark as its symbol, because it wants to sort of address some of these questions with people who are searching. Also, also people have like a fear of death. Uh, people desire to be loved and, and to feel significant. Also, p- people struggle with guilt and shame for wrongdoing. And, mm-hmm. and the beautiful thing is that wherever people are, we have to realize that God is our, already in the nature of, of people's design. He's built in natural receptors that can eventually become connection points for our spiritual conversations to occur. Mm. Well, there's a lot of layers to that. You know, I think yeah. of, you know, emotional drivers, as you described there, there's, there's felt needs that people have in different areas of their life. And then really what you're describing is the bigger issue of just this God space in our lives that only God yeah. can fill. And yeah. until we connect with him, there's going to be a huge gap. Yeah, exactly. And so that leads to to the next point that, that we need, need to understand that those who don't know Jesus are unable in and of themselves to make the first move towards Jesus. Hmm. Because spiritually, you know, the Bible says they're either lost, they're poor, they're in prisons, they're blind, or they're dead. Uh, that that was Jesus' sort of description on, on on spiritual condition, and so we have to make sure that that we don't run too far ahead and make assumptions of that that people know what we're talking about or even where we're coming from. Uh, wh- what's been your experience in that regard, Darren? Oh man, this is such a huge point. You know, my wife does deals a lot with Jehovah's Witnesses yeah. over the years, and just the the spiritual blindness is palpable. Yeah. And, you know, dealing with individuals, I can remember preaching one time on Ephesians 2, 8, 9, by grace, you're yeah. saved through faith, not of yourselves. And, you yeah. know, you know, just hammering home this point <laughs> that it's by grace and not what we do. And then meeting with someone after the service for prayer, asking them where they were at. And, and, and they basically told me that they felt they were good to go because they were a good person. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just preached, it didn't matter. Yeah. And it was like, it, to me, it, it really underscored the fact there's a spiritual dynamic here, Yeah. which is really when I teach evangelism, why I say, start with praying. Praying's yeah. half the job because yeah. that's the only way to break through this stuff. Yeah, you have to you have to pray first. And I mentioned before in a, in a previous podcast, I was working with a young fellow, and the way, when he came to understand what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, he said, "Well, when I get to heaven, I'm not going to present God with my resume anymore. Mm. <laughs> in terms of, I'm good enough to get into heaven. Uh, but that that is the innate posture of the human heart outside of Jesus." Because what we do is we just simply compare ourselves to someone who's not as good as us, and therefore we declare ourselves to be self-righteous, even though all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you know, Romans says. So, yeah. Well, yeah, this, Tim, this is an offensive point. I mean, this is one of the points. It's like the bad news before the good news. Yeah. And, and a lot of people, it is offensive, A, that you, you're that bad, and B, you can't yeah. help yourself, and C, that you need outside help. You know, this yeah. is all wrapped up in, in the core issue of the gospel that we need outside help. 
Yeah, and and, I, and I've given some some thought about this because you know what it's so easy to think of you know the sheep and the goat mentality. You know, we're we're the good people and they're the bad people because they're sinners. We're all sinners. <laughs> we are all sinners. We just happen to be saved by grace, and and those who basically are outside of the family of God, they didn't choose to have a sinful nature when they were born. <laughs> they inherited it. And it comes naturally to them. And and even after you find Jesus, you know, we continue to sin. You know, it says in in, in First John, if anyone says he's not a sinner, continue, you know, you're a liar. Like like we continue to sin because we're we're stuck uh with with a physical capacity uh that, that we were born with in terms of having a fallen nature. Now the Holy Spirit is doing something about that. But uh, I think we have to realize and really feel for people who are spiritually blind because, number one, they, they've never need seen a need for anything other than what their experience is. Mm. But 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 also like that's just normal to them, and that like and so now we're actually getting them out of their 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 headspace to say, well, there, there's something beyond what is normal to you. And let me tell you from my experience, people do not like change. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, unless they know where change is leading them there. And uh, people are very resistant to change. And, and that's why with all this COVID stuff and vaccination stuff, there, there's just people all over the map in terms of, because change is upon us and we are not in control anymore. And when you come to Jesus, uh, the big challenge will be that, that when you come into a relationship with Jesus, to make him Lord means uh, that you're not in control anymore of, of your that's, own life. That's a toughie. That's a toughie, it is. man. I heard just just the other day, or even today, maybe early, listen to a podcast. the The difference we think we're making a decision, but it's really about coming to a place of submission, yeah, where we yield yeah. to Him as Lord, and that's really what it's about. You know, back to this headspace issue, Tim. I re- remember a person who came to faith later in life. Within a few weeks, they said, "You know, I can't even remember what I thought about before yeah. I came to faith." Because so, I think so much about what God has done. I can't even remember a few weeks ago what I was thinking about yeah. all my day. You know, just just an amazing transformation of, of headspace, really. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so the next point I've, I've put down here is that God is actually always in the business. He's preoccupied with drawing unbelievers to Himself, and and He does it usually through three um, I call supernatural resources. Number one, the Holy Spirit, who is active, actively, personally drawing people towards Christ. Also, the Bible. Every time the Bible is opened, it doesn't return to the Lord, the Lord void of meaning and causes us, uh, as I challenge my listeners um, every week, uh, what did the Bible say to you and what are you going to do about it? Like there's something practical you can apply. And also the, the, the third supernatural resource is simply us, like you and me, like God wants to use us, not only naturally, but supernaturally in, in terms of this, this uh, ministry of reconciliation that he has entrusted to us. And uh, when, when you think, wow, supernatural, like, like this isn't in our own strength. Like, like this is something that God does through us and we do in partnership with him. Mm, absolutely. And I, w- I would add, Tim, and I think you'd agree, you know, there's these other aspects of, of what we call general revelation, which is yeah. creation and conscience. Yeah. And, and creation does often in the hands of the spirit, speak loud to people. You know, God's fingerprints are all over creation and that can lead to some, it doesn't lead to salvation, but it can certainly lead to them as, you know, Paul says in Acts, seeking God. And then conscience, the sense of right and wrong, like it must drive, it must drive atheists crazy that they have an inherent moral sense 
that something's hardwired in there. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, they try to explain away morality in evolutionary terms. Yeah. But again, that's another fingerprint of God that we are created as moral beings. And God uses these things, you know, to speak to us and ultimately to draw him, draw us to him. Yeah. I think another another example of general revelation. I've got five grandkids. You know, the birth of a little baby uh, causes some people, like young parents or even grandparents, to realize the gift of life. Not only is it precious, but but there's something there, there's something spiritual in the experience of a new life being born physically, uh, and it just gets you to thinking. It, it you know, especially for old people, that he realized that um, there there is not so much a circle of life, but 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 there's a progression of life from mm-hmm. from birth physical birth to physical death, but spiritually speaking, um, you know, we are created in the image of God. You know, we, we are spiritual beings encased in, in a physical body that will fail us and that'll be replaced in the next life to come. But, but, but there's something about seeing a new little baby that has caused people to, to start asking uh, the bigger questions about life and the meaning of life as well. Oh yeah. That, yeah and that's again, part of how God speaks through creation. You know, yeah. we, we talk about the miracle of birth, and, you know, there's one person I've listened to who talks, whenever the phrase miracle comes up, he says, but there are no such things as miracles. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I would just point to the birth of a baby and think of all that needs to go right for this to happen. That's right. It, it's inexplicable apart from design and apart from the hand of God, in my mind, obviously. Yeah, and even like, you know, now, uh, you know, we're, we're taping this in the month of September. I'm looking out my window and... Some of the trees are now having yellow leaves. There's just this cycle of creative life outside of us about how things grow to maturity, they die, and then they come back to life. Like There's all these uh, signals around us about uh, what what we could see and apply as as spiritual guideposts. But uh, I guess that's why it says in, in, in the Bible... In, in Romans about, you know, that, that we are are without excuse just, just because of God's general revelation and his creative handiwork. Because we have this sense of eternity inside of us, uh, I believe there is a connection point if, if people just stop and, and really start thinking about the bigger picture of, of life experience. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God, I mean, God works, you know, maybe it's the wrong phrase all, but he works hard. He's done a lot. <laughs> Yeah. to communicate to us and to reach out to us. And, but you're right, the spirit and the word and God's people need to be a part of it ultimately for salvation yeah. to happen. Yeah. So let, let's talk about uh, evangelism, uh, you know, sharing of the gospel as it were. Um, evangelism really is, is more of a process of guiding someone as they're being drawn by God in the power. We draw them in the power of God and, and people usually make many, many decisions. You know, a few weeks ago, we talked about the angle scale of many decisions that, that people make on their way to choosing either for or against Jesus. You know, we have a free will. Very, very um, infrequently does someone wake up one morning who doesn't know God and say, oh, I'm just going to start following God. You know, <laughs> Jesus is going to be my Savior. Uh, you know, th- th- there's a process. And, and that's what makes an actual conversion experience when someone crosses the line of faith uh, it's more of the journey. Uh, it isn't just an event. It's more of an experience that then they can reflect back on, just like you said about the fellow. I can't even remember, you know, how I was thinking a few weeks ago. Yeah. We talk about this tran- transformation uh, that the Holy Spirit does through the renewing of our mind. That, that, that's Romans 12. And, and so when it comes to um, evangelism, you know, there, there are certain tasks that are ours. And 
you know, you think of Mark 5 or different places in Scripture, even, you know, the, the, the sower, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. You know, there, there are four different stages, at least, uh, main categories. And the first one is cultivate. We, we have to prepare the emotional soil of people's hearts. Um, what, what's been your experience in just this whole cultivation stage, Darren? Well, I, I often think of it in terms of relationship, you know, and, and cultivating in my framework of, of evangelism, you know, cultivating, planting, reaping, which is an old, you know, yeah. sun life way of thinking about it. Cultivating is relational. It's gaining a relational hearing in people's lives, building a genuine friendship, not a project, but a genuine friendship where there's a mutual sharing of life and, yep. and where there's, where then there's this openness to talk about deeper things. And I, you know, I've seen it happen even, you know, with one of my neighbors where it started out saying hi in front of the place. And then to one day driving down the road and him sharing quite deeply about his death of his father and how he's feeling about that. And yep. that's cultivating. And you, you use the phrase on the emotional level. That's a part of it too. But I think there's a, a cultivating that's even more spiritual in a sense that as we pray, the ground is broken up, the heart is softened yeah. and prepared ultimately for the seed. Yeah, and, and that's the work of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And 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 in this, you know, this process is a partnership. Um God seems to wait for us to get in the game to mm-hmm. fully express his work through us. And so we have to make sure that we're not trying to do the work that only God can do. Mm-hmm. And so, uh yeah, because that's as what I've said before. Like, you know, you rush the harvest, you spoil the crop. And so many people have been turned off by Christians with their own agenda, trying to push salvation or life change upon them when they're simply like there hasn't cultivation hasn't taken place for them to even accept the the, the seed of the gospel. And, and that would be the next step that when, when ground is cultivated, uh, then it's prepared uh, to receive the seed. And so, you know, we, we sow seeds, we plant the seed of the gospel. And um, Peterson in his work says, we actually plant the seed in in, in the mind of someone. So mm-hmm. they can start thinking through what we're telling them. It isn't as much, it can be emotional, but the actual gospel, it, it challenges the way we think, because eventually, we, we have to change the way we think to even receive Jesus and, and make life change as well. Oh yeah, and I think one of the best ways to seed is is the weaving together of your story and God's story. You know, I, I like I like people to be able to share share what God has done for you through Jesus and what He wants to do for everyone through Jesus. Yeah. And if you you know can articulate that, that's a long ways. And simply sharing your story with the gospel woven in is a powerful tool uh, for the Spirit to use in someone's heart and mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, as sometimes happens when Tim and I get into a topic, we end up going a little longer than planned. And we realize we've got actually plenty of content here for two episodes. And so we're going to end it right here uh, with part one. And then the next episode will be part two of keys to being living proof of Jesus call to make disciples. God bless. Press on. Thanks for joining us. For more information, go to imakedisciples.com or christfollowerdna.com. please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts.